Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. Look, Rodgers took a, a legitimate pay cut. He had $105 yeah. million fully guaranteed next year. He's been putting Green Bay through the fucking ringer the last three to four years, man. I don't know if a player's ever done that. And it was guaranteed like he didn't have to. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, we've been trudging along through this offseason, but I feel like Today's episode, this episode embarks a new season in the National Football League. We're now going to an hour-long podcast for our friends at the DK Network. So you'll hear us for not just two segments, but four segments on the DK Network. The season's back. All 32 teams have reported to training camp. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, this is the best part, right? There's so many stories to talk about, you know, and we can stop uh, examining the paper teams, right? I call them paper teams. On paper, this team looks sensational. On paper, this team really has improved themselves. On paper, on paper. We're no longer on paper anymore. We're going to talk about the field. We're going to talk about what's happening and, you know, what we're seeing in the preseason games. I know we're going to listen to a lot of rhetoric coming out of camps about who's having a great camp and who's not. I'll say this. When I was in the league and I would go in uh, after a practice and read the comments about what, what a lot of people were observing at practice, it usually was the opposite. These, these teams, these, these, here's your cut list. Here's who's going to make the roster. If you spend any time reading that, you're wasting your time. You really are because nobody knows yet and nobody's put pads on yet. And football still, believe it or not, is a game of pads and physical contact. So I, I like this time of the year because pads will come on and the paper talk's going to end. 100% pads will be popping out there at training camps across all 32 teams. Uh, I believe the Jets and the Browns have started to put the pads on. The other teams, they're still in the shorts and the T-shirts because they have to kind of ease their way in. I think it's, what, three practices, I believe it is, before yeah. they can actually put the pads on. So we're still easing our way in, but it's fun to see all 30 teams out there running around, catching passes, quote-unquote blocking without pads on. But it's just good to see football back in our lives. And with football being back, we're obviously going to continue our red chip and blue chip series. We're talking off ball linebackers coming up in this episode. So stick around for that in our next segment here, but we have to start with some of the news and notes. And there's been a lot of news since we last had our episode on Monday. It feels like it's been two weeks with all that's been going on. And I want to start with the surprising news for me. And that was from a couple days ago was Saquon Barkley agreeing to a one-year deal. Now, this is very rare because usually, and I don't know, I think it was 1994, someone said the last time that this has happened, but a franchise tag player, once that deadline passes, we usually see them play on the tag or, in Le'Veon Bell's case, just skip the entire season. But Barkley and the Giants came to agreement on a one-year deal that, to me, when I look at the terms, I, I I was left kind of scratching my head, Michael. I don't know if you had the same reaction. Well, I mean, I love the fact that they put out he got a $2 million guaranteed signing bonus. He had $10.1 million guaranteed regardless, you know? Like, he could have gone to any yeah. bank in America and said, look, I have $10.1 million. Can you give me two, Can you loan me $2 million? You know, yeah. I mean, all that is is really just a cash flow instance. That's all it is. He's just giving them cash up front. Uh, but the guarantees are all there. They didn't get any benefit from doing the signing bonus because when you typically do a signing bonus, you're doing it so that you spread it out over the years to lower a cap number. 
but because this is only and could only be a one-year deal, the signing bonus is treated like a roster bonus like paragraph five, and so it goes towards the cap. What I found interesting is that for all the false bravado about holding out and sitting out the year and all the nonsense Barkley talked about, which we all knew wasn't true, you know, we all knew that, right? He did a contract for, you know, when you when you basically boil it down, he, he they the Giants are the winners here. I mean, first of all, for 11 total touchdowns, plus he's the team's got to make the playoffs. He will earn $303,000, okay? Well, he's never had 11 touchdowns, right? So that's a non-likely to be earned. And then even if he earns it, he it has to be they have to make the playoffs. So they could be yeah. 10 and 7 and not make the playoffs and him having 11 touchdowns or 13 touchdowns he's not getting a 303,000. Okay, that's one. 65 completion receptions never had that. Plus he's got to make the playoffs. Right? 1350 yards the best year that he had was 1341. Plus he's got to make the playoffs. So all three of these are attached, right? So when you look at it, you know, when you look at it, what is it? I mean, you know, the touchdown threshold was once in five years. The His reception threshold was once in five years, and he's never achieved the rushing threshold. So, like, he's they're, they're saying to you, do the impossible, and we'll give you an extra $906,000. I mean, the Giants sit, clearly had to say, okay, we'll do this deal. This is no problem. I mean, it's do the impossible while also leading us to the playoffs is the thing that's a part of all this. Like It's almost it's like a parlay, essentially, is what Saquon Barkley is betting here. He's saying, all right, I'm going to have to get to this rushing yards threshold, get to the receptions threshold, and get to the total touchdowns threshold. I have to hit all three of those things, plus we also have to make the playoffs for me to just get a little over or a little under $1 million. Like, like to me, it almost, like you mentioned the cash flow, it's, it's almost like Saquon was like, all right, like, I, and I don't know Saquon's finances. I don't know the guy. Like, I've never met him. I've never seen him in person or whatever. And I, I don't like talking about guys, what they do with their money. But I'm like, did he just need $2 million, like, as soon as possible? Like, like, like what's going yeah, did he on have a, here? Did he, have a, it, yeah, like, did he have to pay off? Did he have to pay off Heshi or something? I mean, did he have yeah. a loan that was coming <laughs> like, due? Like, what are we doing? I mean, like, seriously. <laughs> like, what, what, I don't know. Look, I give him credit. He wanted to be with his team, and he deserves credit for that, right? Yeah. But this deal is is no nothing. For all the conversation about the running back market and how we're going to unify ourselves together, like, this doesn't do anything to unify. First of all, McCaffrey's going to make $12 million in cash this year. You know, Aaron Jones is going to make $11 million in cash. Alvin Kamara is going to make $11 million in cash. Nick Chubb's going to make ten point eight five. This deal is right in that same vicinity. So it really did nothing to enhance it. Now, my question is, which no one asks, is why would you have turned down the two-year guarantee to take a one-year deal? Do you think it's going to be easier next year in this marketplace? Do you think that? I don't see it. Like I don't see it. I think Chris Ballard's comments the other day, the running back market is the running back market. Like, why would anybody overpay? You can have all the Zoom calls you want. You know, I mean, Adam Smith wrote about it. It's the law of supply and demand. I mean, there's nothing you got to do about it. Have 5,000 Zoom calls, 12,000. You know, go and sit in front of the Senate and Congress, have a congressional hearing. I don't give a shit. Like, there's another running back coming out in college. There's going to be somebody else. So it, it is what it is. Yeah. And, and the thing that leaves me scratching my head the most is that. They did all this negotiating and all this stuff. And then when he did come to terms to a deal, he didn't negotiate a no franchise tag clause in the contract. So let's say he has like the greatest season ever, 2,000 yards, 20 touchdowns. They win the NFC East. They can tag you again, and you'll be right back to square one. Now you'll have a little bit higher of a tag because it's 120% or whatever the increase, but you don't have that freedom that you were hoping for. Right. What the tag provides the club, especially in the running back market, is it basically is a rent. You're renting the house. You're not buying the house. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just renting the house. You're paying a little bit more on cost for monthly to rent than you would to buy it, but you can get out of it at any time after a year. And when you're a running back and you play on the tag, that's a risky proposition because you know the lifespan of your career is not very long. And we know this from 2015 to 22, there's been 24 redo of contracts and guys in their second contract are not the same. I was watching this morning before CNN interrupted me when I was watching tape 
you know, my granddaughter, who just happens to come in at any moment uh, in my office, you, whether the door's like open or closed, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and who could say no, right? But anyway, she comes in, and I'm watching Cincinnati's offense. I'm watching the whole game on on what I love to watch the games on on a continuation. So you get special teams, and you get uh, the you know the offense, defense, and f- back and forth. Like you're watching a TV game, only it's all 22. And I'm watching it, and I'm watching Mixon. And I'm thinking now, you know, Mixon wasn't the same guy. Like, he's not the same player. And they lowered his salary. He's going to make $5.7 million. But he's going to have to show that he's got juice back in his lower body. Because when you watch that tape, Perjain, Sammy per, Sam J. Perrine had a much more explosive start and finish than Mixon did. And I've always been a Mixon fan. But my point here is, Femi, is, is that that's the second contracts just don't seem to work out. The back's legs look like they go. Yeah, it's a lot of wear and tear on the position like we've talked about ad nauseum there. But, yeah, the Barkley thing, the fact that this is like after all the not the kicking and screaming, but the negotiating for him to go ahead and turn around and then just sign this deal when he could have skipped all of training camp and gotten pretty much the same money. Like, I, I don't. I don't understand it, but I'm also not Saquon Barkley, and kudos to him. He wants to be on his teammates, and we even talked about it on the Lombardi line on our show on VEASAN a week ago, and we played the clip of Barkley talking about, oh, I could you know, withhold my services, essentially. That's my leverage, and even in that comment that he made, he was couching the statement every step of the way. I was like, this dude has no shot of missing any games. He wants no. to play football. He loves football. And, I was and, like, bro, and credit he, to you're going to play. I give him credit. He wanted to be yeah. there with his teammates. You know, he wanted to. But, yeah. you know, for him and his career and the fact that he has not been durable, you know, I mean, look, he's trying to help them. And it's going to be interesting to see if they change the offense with him now. Because last year, Daniel Jones was the second leading ball carrier, had 170 carries. He averaged eight eight carries per game. And he averaged slightly over 40 yards per game. So my my sense of this is is they they need to be a six-back offense. You know, Mm -hmm. they're not going to be a – you know, Joe Burrow style offense, 11 personnel. They're not going to be a Patrick Mahomes offense where he's making plays and doing all this stuff. They're going to have to be a six back offense where Daniel Jones is going to have to run the football. And that's when he's playing at his best level for me, whether he can, whether they're willing to admit that because they paid him all this money and they want to protect him. I don't know. But when he's, when his athleticism's involved in the offense as the sixth runner, the Giants' offense is better. It's more explosive. Mm-hmm. Does this make you feel better about the Giants? I mean, I, I wonder how Saquon feels. I mean, they gave Andrew Thomas the left tackle all that money five years, over $117 million, their first-round pick from a few years ago. It's, I mean, everyone's getting the big deals Everybody that are getting paid uh, long-term now. deals. Yeah, everybody, everybody's tweet, everybody's tweet me pictures of, oh, Lombardi, you said the disease of me. No, well, the disease of me is exactly what's happened. Everybody's getting paid. I mean, like, seriously, like everybody's getting paid. You won nine games and everybody's getting paid. Look, Andrew Thomas, you got to play him. He's a good player. You know, Dexter Lawrence, you got to play him. He's a good player. Yeah. And then Saquon Barkley is sitting there with a one-year contract for $11 million. But we know that's the life of a running back. You know, it's the supply and demand. And like we talked about, there's always good ones that are out there to be found. And unfortunately for the good ones in the league currently, they're up against it from a negotiating standpoint. We'll talk about the Jets aspect of this because they're – Probably going to bring in a running back here, a veteran guy that we've talked a lot about this offseason. We'll get into that on the other side, as well as Blue Chip Red Chip. This is the GM Shelf. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Uh, I know we're about to talk about the New York Jets here bringing in Dalvin Cook for a visit this weekend, but I wanted to ask you this because this was from Mike Garofolo, and I saw it just before we started recording on the podcast, that the Raiders reportedly offered Josh Jacobs $12 million per year on the contract, and they were not able to reach a long-term extension. The folks are wondering, Michael, they said, is this, is this report true? Is this what you've been hearing? What's, what was the best offer for Jacobs uh, that they were not able to come to an agreement on? Well, I don't know the actual specifics of the offer. Uh, I know that he was in the parking lot and he thought he was going to sign it. And I think, you know, his agent didn't think it was a good enough deal at 12 million per year. You know, he would have been at, he would have been where Nick Chubb is. And now he's got to go back and figure it all out. I think the guarantees were substantial. I think it was down to the wire. Uh, and I think his agent said, no, we don't, I don't want to do that deal. And so the kid didn't sign it. I, I think to me, it was close. This notion that people say, I think Vic, uh, somebody at the athletic, I think Vic at the athletic said it wasn't close. Look, if it's not close, what's the kid sitting in the car at the parking lot with Max Crosby, which is true. So, you know, do I think they'll get something worked out? I mean, they would gladly do the the Saquon deal. I mean, I'm sure they would gladly do that deal. And that deal, because the way they did it, remember they did 303, 303, 303 on incentives. That gets him right to $12 million. That gets him right to – that would have given him – no, excuse me, that gets him right to $11 million. To 11. Whereas McCaffrey owns $12 million this year. So they offered him as much as McCaffrey earns. Now, on an average per year basis, McCaffrey's at 16. But, but he's the anomaly, right? He's the anomaly. Even at the quarterback market, we're seeing the incremental I- I- adjustments there. You know the market that gets screwed up a lot, Femi, is the, mar- the, the receiver market gets paid tremendously, but the yep. quarter market doesn't match it. The quarter market no. doesn't match it. I mean, when you see some of these guys get paid – and the corner market doesn't any come close to some of these receivers that are getting paid what they're getting paid. Yeah, like Trayvon Diggs signed his deal five years, 97, but it feels like it's pretty team-friendly. Dallas, I believe, would yeah, be able to three, get out of it. It's a three-year contract. Exactly. I mean, yeah. it's a th- it, all, that, all that talk about it is it's a, it's a really a three-year contract. You know, yeah, be, it, I, the cornerback market just hasn't – I mean, the receiver market has gone up almost 50%. The corner market has only gone up about 35% or so. So, I mean, that's a significant number, right? Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about the value of wide receivers when we do the blue chips, red chips, wide receivers episodes. But to me, it feels like there's a lot of really good ones as well. I don't know why some of these teams are paying the astronomical numbers that they're paying for some of these receivers who don't quite meet to that top tier wide receiver one type threshold here. But I want to get your thoughts on the New York Jets bringing in Dalvin Cook. Uh, the Jets have been talked about as a team that could potentially bring in Cook. It sounds like Brees Hall might not be ready to go right at the start of the season. We know the Jets have that difficult schedule in those first six weeks here. And Aaron Rodgers yesterday agreed to a two-year, $75 million fully guaranteed contract, which is a $35 million pay cut, perhaps maybe opening up some money for the Jets to bring in a guy like Dalvin Cook who can help them out in the backfield. Is this sort of inevitable, or do you think that the Patriots who may be working to schedule a visit here are still kind of in the mix for Cook. Well, I, I think it opens up a possibility because, look, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you want to duplicate your Green Bay offense with Nathaniel Hackett as your play caller, then Dalvin Cook becomes Aaron Jones. I mean, that's what you're looking for, you're right? You're looking for Aaron Jones. You're looking to simulate the exact roles that you had there. You know, Garrett Wilson ends up being Devontae Adams, Right, so you're yeah. trying to plug and play, and I think if they're bringing Cook in, 
I can't imagine Cooks taking a visit unless they he knows they're going to be in that that range where he's going to earn substantial money. And so I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they got something done. I mean, look, Rogers took a, a legitimate pay cut. He had 105 yeah. million fully guaranteed next year. So he took a 35 million guaranteed pay cut. That's a lot of how money. much he didn't want to be in Green Bay, right? Also that. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, Mr. Murphy. Wonder what Mr. Murphy thought when he read this contract. Like, poor Goose like, Brian yeah. Gutekist. He's going to have to take the shit for it. But oh, Mr. Murphy. Like, he's going to have to deal with it, right? Like you could just see that 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 this is not. I mean, you could tell. Rogers is a completely different guy. Let's be honest here. He is. <laughs> like, he's been putting Green Bay through the fucking ringer the last three to four years, man. And now he's just uh, like, hey, I'll take thirty-five million dollar pay cut. Thirty-five million dollars. He's giving back, dude. That's a lot of. I don't care how much money he's made. That's a lot of money, man. That's sick. I don't know if a player's ever done that. 35, and it was guaranteed like he didn't have to. Yeah, man. It's, it's so they're going to have but... to use that. I mean, he didn't give it back because he was, he, he wants, to, he gave it back to win. I mean, that's the key. Yeah. So, I mean, they're going to have to spend that money. And, and shit, they're still carrying Corey Davis at like $10 million. And he's out there practicing. If I was Joe Douglas, the general manager of the team, and Corey Davis is my fifth or fourth, I'd be going crazy. Like, we got to get him off the field. Like, we, he could get hurt and we could be stuck with him. Like, he's not going well, to play. We're not playing him. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the Corey Davis situation with the Jets. But for Dalvin Cook, if he were to go to the New York Jets, that would obviously give them the backfield of Cook, Brees Hall, whenever he's healthy. You got to like what they're putting together. Now, I still have questions about the offensive line, but Cook is one of those weapons that we've talked about saying that, like, he is one of those type of guys that you would pay some money to. Like, yeah, he kind of got banged up a little bit last year and a couple of years ago or so. And like, but he still was pretty productive and has that pass catching ability and also is pretty productive running the ball on the ground as well. I'm a Cook fan. You know that. And I would pay him. Now, you know, he wants $9 million, you know, based on the market. Is he going to get – could he get $11 million in cash this year? Yeah, I think he probably could. Could he get $10 million in cash this year? Yeah. Now, over a two-year deal, we'll see. The bigger issue in, at New York is today uh, – I, I was reading the New York Post that Becton, I mean, his knee still bothered him. I mean, yeah. that right tackle position is going to haunt them. And Dwayne Brown's on at left tackle is on PUP. I mean, that all this conversation, you know, it's going to come down to that. How good is this offensive line? Yeah, that, that's the biggest concern with the New York Jets. If that offensive line isn't good, this can kind of get off the rails, especially with the teams that they have to play to start the season. Um, I wanted to ask you about Justin Herbert because he signed richest contract in NFL history. We knew that this was coming eventually at some point this offseason, five years $262.5 million extension. He can receive up to as many as $218 million in guarantees with the new deal. And I just want to put it this way with a question that I want to ask. Did the Chargers pay for great? I think they did. I, I, I think Justin Herbert's great. I would have paid Herbert and been mm -hmm. proud of it. I mean, you know, once again, I think, Femi, we make this incredible mistake of not understanding every quarterback needs to be managed. Look, the guy's sitting out there with, with you know, he's got Mike Williams gets hurt. Keenan Allen gets hurt. You know, he's got an offensive line that he played behind last year that was beat up. Slater wasn't in there. Corey Lindsey was hurt. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's great. I, I think he's absolutely great. I think, to me, I would be proud of that contract. And Joe Burrow's going to go slightly above him. I mean, that's what happens. The incremental increases that go on, you know. And, and I think, to me... Yeah, he's great. I mean, he is absolutely great. He can make every throw. He can make plays off schedule. I just don't think they've done a good job of being able to, A, to stay healthy, and B, taking some of the pressure off him a little bit, you know? you got to have some of the pressure off you a little bit. It's not easy. Even Mahomes gets some of the pressure off of him. You know, it's it's hard to sit there and try to – you know, throw it 45 times a game and win Brady. I mean, Brady didn't do that. The Brady had games where he might have had to do that, but there's some games where they were able to pace the game and control it and do the, do the things that you need to do. So, yeah, I think he's great. And I, I guess my only concern, I guess not even really a concern here, is that 
like you said, they had Justin Herbert for three years on that rookie contract, that cost-controlled contract. And I don't know if it was just because they weren't able to stay healthy or they just didn't have the vision, but it feels like it was a missed opportunity to put like a really good team around him that to where he doesn't have to do everything and put everybody on his back and say, all right, guys, I'm going to go out there and win the game because like every great quarterback needs help like Mahomes, like Brady, but all the others down the line. But he's got help. He's got, the, I mean, Mike Williams, one of the highest paid receivers in football. Keenan Allen's one of the highest paid receivers in football. He's got Austin Eckler, one of the highest paid. They drafted Rashad Slater at left tackle. They signed Corey Lindsey. I mean, how much more help do you want to give them? I mean, well, their defense is 32nd in the league. That's the help defense. he needs. <laughs> well, yeah, but he's, that's, what, that's not his fault. He's the, they got the head no. coach over there who's sitting there trying to in his room trying to figure out how he can go for it on fourth down, even no matter what. You know, a one-inch line. You know, I'll go for it on fourth down. I want to show the analytical community I'm brilliant. You know, come on. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what more Herbert could do. He's playing – he had the, DeAndre Carter last year. He's got a bunch of guys in an offensive line that was kind of not the same. Plus, they had no physicality to their offense whatsoever. They can't knock anybody off the ball because their offensive line was too soft. So, I mean, look, I think we've learned this in life, right? That you can be great, but you you also need supporting cast. You need the right elements around you. You need the right kind of team that fits your skill set. And I think it's unlimited skill set for Herbert. But let me ask you this question. You would not be having this conversation if Bill Parcells was coaching the Chargers. No. No. You would I mean, not be I would having have it. a lot of confidence. Yeah, I'd have a lot of confidence. You would not be having it. it you would not be having this conversation. If he flew in from Saratoga Springs and we'll start walking the sideline with the same players, you would not be having this conversation. No, but the chargers, somehow they find ways to screw it up. And then the head coach, Lord knows what the hell he's going to do this year. Now he's got my guy, the, 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 the joystick master on him with the sidelines. There's calling the plays. Yeah, I mean, for, for he's getting praised as the best coordinator in all of football. I mean, I love these people that have these incredible PR campaigns. I mean, Somebody just, I mean, do you realize Trevor Lawrence in the NFL.com poll was rated a hot, was rated lower than Justin Fields? I mean, seriously. Even you people, as a Justin Fields carrying MVP member does, don't believe that. People have been listening to the pod, man. We're educating, you know. <laughs> We're educating folks. I'm not educating. I went back and watched all five games. I went back and watched all five. I would love to watch five, those last five games that you keep citing. His QBR was so good. I, I would watch all those five with you, and I would show you why it wasn't very good. Forget the rating. The ratings are just, to me, you know, Players they're ridiculous. Like uh, before we head to break, our blue chip, red chip, off-ball linebackers, the list for the red chips, Jerome Baker of the Dolphins, Quay Walker of the Packers, Logan Wilson of the Bengals, Jawan Bentley of the New England Patriots, Matt Milano of the Buffalo Bills. We'll get you the blue chips list on the other side and break down both of them in their entirety. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. Don't go away. We're just getting warmed up here on a Thursday. to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, let's get right into it. To recap, our red chip off-ball linebackers. This is off-ball linebackers. Jerome Baker of the Dolphins, Quay Walker of the Packers, Logan Wilson of the Cincinnati Bengals, Juwan Bentley of the New England Patriots, and Matt Milano of the Buffalo Bills. The blue chip list, the creme de la creme, Fred Warner of the San Francisco 49ers, Demario Davis of the New Orleans Saints, C.J. Mosley of the New York Jets, Nick Bolton of the Kansas City Chiefs, and then Foye Aluakon of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So those are the red chip and blue chip off-ball linebackers. And, Michael, I think in doing the prep for the pod when I saw your list, the red chip list I thought was really interesting because all five of those guys, they were not on the list when we did this a year ago. Can you kind of explain why Mm -hmm. there was so much turnover for your list here at off-ball linebacker? Well, I mean, like Walker's a rookie, right? I think he's an up-and-coming player, you know, and made a ton of tackles. And I think if you watch him the last five games of the year, you know, he really started to play well. It was one of those where he kind of just jumped out at you and you said, holy shit. I I was not not been a Bentley fan for a while, but I thought last year for the first time he, he really played, had a ton of tackles. I had 125 solo tackles or total tackles. And he was around the football quite a bit, and he played better against personnel grouping. So this idea that 
linebackers play against uh, on downs is is obsolete. There's no longer first down. There's no longer second down. There's no longer third down. There is what is the personnel group on the field. So if you're playing the Bengals and they're an 11 on first down and you can't play against 11, you have no value to the team. You're not going to play that game. So these guys have played against all the personnel groups. Logan Wilson's in there. He and Pratt. Now, Pratt's a good player too, right? But they're in there, and they're and they're making plays, and they're involved in the pass game. They get the defense lined up. I'll tell you a guy that was really good last year that I should have put on the list is Frankie Louvu from Carolina. Guy had seven and a half sacks last year. Really good, a good job of attacking the pocket. Was in every formation. He kind of is the is the testimonial to a belief that we've always had going back to the Cleveland days that if you're good in the kicking game and you can produce in the kicking game and you have ability to grow in on a defense, you'll become a good defensive player. You know, this guy gets cut by the Jets. He was a good special teams player, but then the Jets cut him. Now he's a really good player. I mean, you know, two players that didn't make the list that should, they kind of exchanged themselves. David Long went to Miami, and Al Shear uh, went from San Francisco to Tennessee. Both of them are really good players. They just can't stay healthy all the time. They're smaller, but they're instinctive. They can play against any personnel group. You cannot grade a player in this system, and Ken, Greenlaw is a good player too. You can't grade linebackers and say they're first, second, or third down. You must say, what personnel group do they come off the field on? And that's really how you do it. And that's really what was about this red group. Milano, you know, was a strong safety at Boston College that moved into the box. I mean, he is, and when he doesn't play for Buffalo, they're not the same defense, right? As yeah. good as, as every Edwards is and everybody else is on their defense, when Milano's in there, they're a different team. Now, he's undersized and people want to run the football at him, but he's really good at handling that. Same thing with Baker. I think Baker will shine with Long playing next to him this year and Vic Fangio's. They're going to be fast, Miami, on defense in their underneath coverage. So, you know, I, there's a lot of good guy, uh, players because, you know, and a lot of guys, <coughs> a lot of guys, it's not just about how many tackles you make. It's about how many times you're around the ball. What, what are you doing? How are you making plays? Tackle for losses. You know, that kind of thing. You certainly see Milano's uh, safety background and coverage. I think he's one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL. He w- he made first team All Pro this past season. What what was the reasoning behind putting him on the red chips and not elevating him all the way up to the blue chips list? Well, I I think to me you can run the ball. I mean, at some he doesn't always stay. You know, he's not exactly always healthy. You know, you can mm-hmm. run the ball. There is some deficiency in his game. But I, I think he's really a good player. You know, I just think these other five guys that I put on the list were better than him, right? I mean, I yeah. don't know. To me, you can't argue with the red, the blue chip guys. I don't think you can. I thought C.J. Mosley had a really good year last year. I think he was a cornerstone. to When he didn't play for them, I don't think their defense was of effective. I mean, he is the, the Fred Warner to their defense. They run that scheme, and your mic needs to be really good. And I thought Mosley was really good, you know, and – Olakon, I mean, this is what, two years in a row he leads the league? I mean, he had 128 solo tackles last year. You know, he didn't make any plays. He defended five passes. You know, he forced two fumbles. I mean, the guy's all over the field. Nick Bolton, I mean, look, Nick Bolton was unbelievable. Two interceptions, you know, 108 solo tackles, 108 combined tackles, you know, six quarterback hits. I mean, Demario Davis gets him lined up. He plays on all three downs. They're not the same team if he's not in the game. You know, so I, I just think to me, and we were doing last year, we did on the on the line linebackers and off the ball linebackers. And now to me, there's really no such thing as an on the line linebacker. I mean, the Eagles drafted Nolan Smith from Georgia, right? And in the old days, Nolan Smith would have been a Sam linebacker on the line, play at the end of the line, handle the tight end, you know, whether it's in a 34. But, you know, even High Smith and T.J. Watt are end of the line linebackers, but they're really defensive ends. I mean, they can drop into coverage, but to, there's not enough of those guys to put together a list. So you got to put them all into the, the designate to, to the edge rush list to me. So that's what I'm going to do next week. We'll do the edge rush list. There'll be a lot of guys that'll be candidates for that. Cause there's a lot of good rushers out there, but it's hard to find on the line linebacker. It's almost a position that doesn't exist. The Sam linebacker in football, 
you know, the Carl Banks who could control the end of the line. No tight end could block Carl Banks, right? You know, and he played opposite of Taylor, which allowed Taylor to basically be, even though they everybody said they ran a 34 defense, which they did, Taylor was the DP, Taylor was the Ed, was the OEN, the 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 weak side end, and Banks controlled the strong side. So, you know, to me, that position has died. That's where I, that's where all the mock drafts had Nolan Smith going high in the draft, and he went to the bottom because there's it's really hard to figure out where he plays, right? It's hard. Yeah. Like Bruce Irvin got drafted in the first round by Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll wanted to make him a sandbacker because Pete at the time was running that defense. He was running. He had a sandbacker. But even he doesn't want to have a Sam anymore. Yeah. So it's sort of like I think like Anthony Barr was like that Sam guy for Minnesota when he was there, like sort of that right. big kind of tweening, uh, tweener kind of a, a of a linebacker there. I think when we did this list last year, because we had Micah Parsons on this list. Now, I'm assuming he's going to be in the edge rusher list there. That's why oh, he yeah. doesn't find his way on this list. Yeah, because I mean, it was Michael like Parsons is an exception to the rule, right? Yeah. I mean, to me, he's the elite of the elite. I mean, he's different than Nick Bosa in the sense that he can play off ball and attack as the fifth rusher and play online and attack as the fourth rusher. But there's very few guys that are like that. I mean, Micah is 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 different, you know, and and so he's kind of in a category onto himself, right? And the uniqueness and the way Dan Quinn moves him around and makes him, you know, when, but when, when the offensive line comes out, the first thing the offensive line is trying to recognize is who are the down guys. So they might say three down and then they point to Parsons and make him a down guy. So now he's the down. So they want a big guy blocking him all the time. Quinn wants a small guy blocking him all the time. That's the strategy that's going on. No, it's definitely he's uh, an ultimate chess piece on the defensive side of the ball. But I want to highlight Fred Warner, though, the 49ers. And interesting enough, like the 49ers, all three of their linebackers are in this somehow. You had both Aziz Alshair and Dre Greenland. Alshair now is with the Tennessee Titans. But, I mean, how about that linebacking core last year? There's a reason why they were the number one defense in all of football. But Fred Warner is also the best of the best for you as well. Yeah, he is. But I think they do an incredible job of finding the right player for them. Greenlaw. Al Sharir, uh, you know, Fred Warner. I mean, you know, they they truly understand what they're looking for in their defense and how the player fits their defense. And one of the things I think scouts struggle with is multi-dimensional positions, right? You've got to play pass, you got to play run. You got to get open and you got to block, right? But we don't tight ends don't do that. I mean, we've that's a position that's almost obsolete. I mean, if you call Kelsey a tight end, you can do it, but he's a wide receiver. You know, he doesn't block any. And I, and I don't mean this as a negative towards Kelsey. Just don't, the way the game is, he's a big inside slot. So these linebackers have to be adaptable to that. And I think San Francisco does a really good job of understanding that. And if Warner's not on the field, they're not the same team. Remember, this is absolutely what I believe more than anything. When your mic's slow, your defense is slow. When your mic is slow, your defense is slow. When your mic's fast, and I mean fast from a horizontal perspective, not from a vertical perspective, because to defend the run, to defend the RPOs, you've got to have a ver- you have to have a horizontal presence. Warner is your best of the best, which is a new thing that we're doing with some of these awards with the categories. Who's the best up and comer for you? You know, I thought Walker really – well, obviously Nick Bolton's the best of the upcomers. I mean, because he's already a blue chip and, you know, he's a young player. I think Walker from Green Bay was outstanding. I thought he was really a good player. You know, and I think he's an up-and-coming guy that could really take another step forward. I think in this rookie class, it's going to be hard to find a guy. Tip, I think Detroit needs Jack Campbell to be on this list. They invested a 16th pick overall in the draft, I think it was, or seven, you know, in that team number, 19. They need him to be this guy. He's big. He's physical. He's, he runs well, even though people don't think he can run as well. But they need, they need Jack Campbell to be able to be on this list next year for sure. The best potential rookie is a guy, I know you've talked about him quite a bit throughout this offseason, and that's Marte Mapu of the Patriots. Yeah, and, but Marte Mapu, I mean, this kid is so talented. He's play, he can play safety. It's going to be interesting to watch New England this summer to see where they play him. 
because he, he's got safety skills like Milano, right? Think about it. Think about where we're going here now. Milano was a safety. They moved him down into the box. See, this is why Jamal Adams is one of the most overrated players because even though he needs to play in the box, Bach, he doesn't have that coverage skill when he gets down there. He can blitz, but he can't cover. Mapu can get down there and cover and blitz and then play back on the third level. Kyle Hamilton can't play on the third level. Like, Kyle Hamilton is in this group here because he's really a sub-backer. Yeah. Jamal Adams is more of an edge safety is the, is the term that we coined in Seattle. Like he's, yeah. he's, he's rushing the passer. He's more so than doing anything in coverage there. We'll get to some of the guys who did not make the list that were on the list last year and also clean up some other news and notes from around the NFL. We're going to take one last break, though. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. So we did this exercise last year, and I think it's interesting to note some of the players who were on the blue chip and red chip list that did not make it this season. So on the blue chips list, there was Levante David, Devondre Campbell of the Packers. He had a down year after making the all-pro team last season. Darius Leonard, of course, that one, or Shaq Leonard, excuse me. Uh, that is due to injury because he sounds like he's good to go, though. He says he feels really good. We'll see how he progresses throughout training camp. David Long Jr., who we highlighted, that's also another injury thing. But I know you wanted to highlight Roquan Smith, who is sort of in the prime of his career, gets traded to the Baltimore Ravens, is entering like his age 26 season here. But uh, you wanted to note that he's just he didn't look quite look like the same when you actually did the exercise and broke it down watching the tape. I mean, look, he was third in the National Football League in tackles last year. So you say, well, he had a really good year. He had three interceptions. Wow, he making plays on the ball. But I didn't think he looked like the same player that he once was. I thought he was heavy last year. You know, and maybe the conduct dispute got him, right? And maybe all the back and forth and the change of teams. I expect him to play better this year. I, I didn't think he had a great year last year. I thought he wasn't as explosive to the sideline as he's typically been. Uh, you know, and... Look, you can make a lot of tackles. That doesn't mean you're as good as you need to be. So I, I think, to me, uh, I, it was a lot of circumstances involved in Roquan. I, I fully expect him to be back on the list next year. I don't think he'll have a down year. I don't think Patrick Queen is anywhere near this list who plays alongside of him. I think Patrick Queen certainly could be, you know, they could change him out, even though he's a first-round pick. But I think Roquan will take a step up. I think, I think he just looked heavy to me last year. Yeah, but maybe, sometimes those contract we talked about that with Debo Samuel and those contract years where you kind of have those disputes. Maybe you're not all the way dialed in on the workouts and just make sure that your body's ready to go. But Roquan Smith, talented player, wouldn't shock me if he finds his way back on this list, whether as a red chip or a blue chip this season. Now that all the contract stuff is put off to the side and he has his money, and now he can just kind of focus on football, not the business of football. Uh, one guy though that's focusing on the business of football is Nick Bosa and the 49ers. Bosa yeah. right now holding out. I was anticipating a hold in from Bosa to kind of show up, just not practice. He didn't show up at all. And he's now he's accruing these $50,000 fines. We know that the Bosa's, I mean, they're not afraid to negotiate. We saw Joey Bosa with his rookie contract miss a couple of games before he actually ended up going out there and playing. Uh, is this going to become a problem for the 49ers? Because he's clearly their best player. I think what we're seeing here in the, the contracts that are getting done there are our teams are willing to pay with the market rate, right? So he's going to be the highest paid defensive end. I mean, Miles Garrett makes $25 million a year. I think he's like third. You know, T.J. Watt is the highest. He's going to get above T.J. Watt. He's the best defensive end in football. He's the best rusher. You know, I mean, he's if you're going to hold a draft and you're going to take a defensive player, Bakad, Micah Parsons, it's going to be Nick Bosa. Those two guys go hand in hand. And, you know, I fully expect the 49ers to get a deal done. So I, I don't I have no concern about it. Frankly, the way Nick Bosa sometimes you worry about his durability. Let him hang out. Let him he'll come in first week and I'm sure he'll give the Steelers all they can handle rushing the passer. I thought the interesting thing out of San Francisco, the Nick Bosa thing is just noise. They'll get that done. Mm. Was mm -hmm. that Purdy's full go. I never he anticipated is. Purdy to be full go. I thought Purdy would be on a pitch count. They carried four quarterbacks. They've got Brandon Allen still on the roster. So I fully expected him to be on a pitch count, but 
he's not. So, you know, that, that says a lot about that. Now, will they play him in the preseason? I can't imagine. I think the interesting thing going to happen in San Francisco is who's going to be the backup? Is it going to be Sam Darnold <laughs> or is it going to be Trey Lance? And if Lance is three, what do you do cool. then? Oh, my God. So pretty, So he's not on a pitch count on the days that he's practicing, but it sounds like they're going to not practice him three straight days. It'll be like he'll practice twice, take a day off, and then come back, practice two more times. So I guess it's kind of like a – it's almost feels a little bit like a pitch count, but it's not really like a pitch count. But I'm but right it, alongside with you there. I'm, I was surprised that he was fully ready to go at the start of training camp. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, why would they rush him in there? It's like Garoppolo. They passed him on the physical. Shocking. You know, he's going to get all his money. That's shocking. I don't know what we're going to do with that story. You know, but they're going to be careful with him, right? Every every player coming off an injury, you need to be careful. Michael Thomas is actually practicing, but they're going to be careful with him, right? It's a long season, right? And some of these guys, they need to get the timing and their element back, but they don't, they don't, you don't need to rush them because then another injury occurs. Like, if I were the Jets and Becton is still having soreness in his knee that's been a problem knee for him, that, that's a concern, right? Dwayne Brown being on PUP, you know he's 38 years old. Now, you don't know if he's going to be as good a player as he's been, but you, you kind of – that's okay. We're going to you know get him the rest. He doesn't need to be out there for six weeks. Becton, you worry about. There's certain things you worry about. So, with Trey Lance, he obviously has played, what, three games, three and a half games – in his NFL career, and he's played three and a half games over the last, I think, what now, five years, essentially, which is just like, that's terrible for quarterback development. I feel like this has to be the preseason showcase of Trey Lance, if there was a team out there who might be interested in him. I know that John Lynch continues to heap praise on him. I don't know if he's trying to put the PR sign back out there, the 1-800 number that he put out there in in April that he then rescinded, but maybe it's going to go back out. But, I mean, I think this... If he's QB3, you got to see if you can get something for him because he gave up a lot to go out and move mountains to go ahead and acquire him. If he's not any good in the preseason where nobody does anything, there's no game planning, there's no real – nobody's showing their playbook. If you don't – as a veteran quarterback, if you don't play good in the preseason – now, understanding if the offensive line breaks down and you start getting the shit kicked out of you, I get that. But from a quickness, from a rhythm, from a timing, if you don't play good – in a preseason and you've been in the league three years, something's wrong. Yeah. It ain't happening. It just ain't happening. Yeah. I I think this is a really like a make or break year. And I mean, if you're Trey Lance's agent, I feel like you got to be kind of working the back channels to say, all right, who's out there that could maybe trade for our guy. Cause you need your guy to play. And if there's but a even, quarterback, if he plays good though, Femi, is he played good? Are you feeling good about it? Cause he's going against backups. At least show something out there. It, it, it would be better than what's out there right now because what's out there is nothing. <laughs> like we, we, have, we don't see the I guy get play that. ever. <laughs> like, all he's got to do is make one play and Twitter will light up. Just all he needs. <laughs> one touchdown pass. And here we go, Trey Area. We're back. <laughs> but no, I think that's something that like they got to showcase him, which I think just from like a side point, from like because there's people out there who bet the NFL preseason. I'm one of them. The Niners are going to be interesting because there's a lot of depth chart. Like, there's a lot of QB depth on that team there. So maybe if they get Lance out there playing a full second half against third, fourth, and fifth stringers, maybe they have a fighting chance to go out there and cover some spreads. That's just a little side note uh, for myself here. Um, but we've seen a lot of going on there in San Francisco. Obviously, the interesting story in Dallas is Zach Martin's contract. They're over in Oxnard. Jerry Jones, he had his State of the Union press conference and all that stuff. They, hey, we're not going to talk about contracts. Zach's in our plans. It's not going to change anything, but he's now missing those days, acquiring those fines of 50,000 a day. And I think they'll get something done, but it's just, it's a little concerning just to see your, your best offensive lineman, not at training camp. I, I, I wouldn't be concerned at all, Femi. I would relax. That's not, that's the least of your problems. I mean, you know, I mean, he's going to be there. I mean, look, they, uh, Lindstrom got 20 million a year. Jerry's going to pay him. You got to block San Francisco's front. You got to block Philly's yeah. front. You're going to have to pay the guy. I mean, that's, that's the reality. you got to block Dexter Lawrence at the Giants, who's a good player. You know, you're going to have to block the two guys in Washington, both good players. So he's going to get paid. I, I, to me, this is just, you know, we take the old school NFL when holdouts were really significant, when they meant something, when Emmett held out, when, you know, the players' leverage in the holdout was so great. 
and we manifest it into today's holdouts. It's not the same thing. It's not. And we cover it like it's the same thing. And yet it has no real significance. And so there'll be an exception to every rule. But Nick Bosa is going to play. You know, I mean, Saquon Barkley came in and played. Judge Stankups is going to play. They're going to play. They're going to miss some time. But because of the offseason being so long and the offseason being involved and, and the season being 17 weeks, you know, when you, when you only played 14 games and you missed two games, that was significant. You're not going to miss any games now. Yeah. I just – I always – I, I hate holdouts because I man. always feel like whenever guys relax. D- d- when, whenever, just relax. You know, it's, it's no big deal. It's wood, a business. You know, all, all of a sudden, soft it's tissue injuries start to pop up and stuff because you haven't no, been dialed I mean, into it, camp. It, I, I, on offensive linemen, if you got soft tissue injuries, you're in trouble. I mean, so like he'll yeah, be there. Yeah. Um, last thing before we get out of here, I saw your boy Adam Schefter uh, tweeting this this morning that uh, the Rams were approached by other teams about quarterback Matthew Stafford in the offseason, but were in, quote, unanimous agreement to keep him for at least <laughs> another season. I might be dizzy by the amount of spin that I see on that one, but uh, what we've been I talking about it. of saying, hey, like the Rams are actively shopping this guy. It's, no, we were actually approached. People were calling us yeah. about our quarterback. Yeah, people wanted to pay the $59 million. They couldn't wait. You just said no. You said no. I mean, this is just clarifying. They don't want Stafford to be mad that they were that, that it's out there that they were trying to trade him, so they spun it to a different direction. I mean, look, that's what happens. You know, it, that, they have to. They, they know they had conversations with teams. I know they did. They know they did, right? And so they now they spun it to where oh. Teams are calling us. Oh, yeah, I got that. Right. Everybody's – there's a long line. It's like the Port Authority in New York City to get on a bus to pay $59 million for Matthew Stafford on his option when he's not even healthy. I got that. I buy it completely. Why wouldn't I buy that? Absolutely I would buy that. There's no question Les Snead had zillions of calls for that. There's no doubt that Kevin Demoff was getting calls from all over the world. Would you trade Matthew Stafford? Oh my God, we would be love to pay that $59 million and take you <laughs> off the hook. We couldn't wait. Please? Oh, you don't want to do it? Oh, I'm so depressed. Come on, give me a fucking break. <laughs> give me a break. Really? Seriously? You make For you know, how dumb, how dumb do you think we are? How dumb do you think we are? As Michael, as the great Michael Corleone said, don't insult my intelligence. It's it's really just it's elite spin work that they're pulling off here to just try to push this it's agenda the best. out there. It, it's I don't fault the Adam. I don't fault Adam at all. I just I love that they felt. I what I love the most is they felt compelled that they had to do it. That's what I love the most because it's true and they had to put it out. If it wasn't true, you just say that guy's full of shit. So they they felt compelled to spin it. That's the best part of it all. Yeah. They, they got caught looking around the landscape and seeing what they could get for their guy, and maybe he caught word about that. But uh, it's the elite spin. No spin here on the GM Shuffle podcast. We'll be back with you guys on Monday. Once again, full hour from here on out through the NFL season. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman. Thank you to you, Michael Lombardi. I'll talk to you guys on Monday.